So, if I'm lucky, you're not the same person you was 50 minutes ago. Hopefully, I opened the eye, caused a smile or a laugh, just made you feel good. Or ask yourself a question or two. If I'm lucky, if this was your first experience with spoken word, please, I'm no measuring stick. Maybe just so door you can further explore. At least I helped you see what written words are spoken for, which is exactly what I was hoping for. I want to say thank you to the Bronx for giving me literal standards. Thank you to the pain I lived through that influenced me. I gotta say thank you to my brother, Mr. Karama Sadaka. He put bifocals on my vision. Most of all, I thank you. In these times, there's a lot of things you could be doing with your money, so I'm humble knowing you invested in me. That's the truth. That's my words. That was written in pain. Making them flapjacks and cutting up that bacon. 
above them taking care of the chimney. Doing yard work. My mom ain't like no lazy children in the house. You be out there picking up them greens, she catch a daydreaming, she be right in your ear. Get the Sunday morning, we all got up that morning. My sister made the flapjacks, and my cousin was cutting up the bacon.
after we buried Grandmama, we lived in that house. All of us raised our children in that house into this very day. My great-grandchildren live in that same house. And I came on this bench here because I'm old and I want to dream. Warm weekends are back and that Another episode of Spoken Soul Sessions. I'm your host, Poetic Black. And today, family, today, today is a special show, special edition. I was waiting on this interview. Today, we're going to get into the art of storytelling. And to help us do this, I have a very special guest in the building today. Now, me and this brother right here, we go back like car seats. But uh, his work, his body of work, it speaks for itself. Now, this brother is a spoken word artist. However, he has a he has an extra talent that. He can, uh, he has the ability to tell stories. Now, this isn't easy to do. This isn't easy to do. The art of storytelling is very critical in the art of the spoken word. Being able to convey a message in story form when conveyed correctly can can leave a lasting impression this brother hails from the bronx new york bx now i'm a brooklyn boy but if if i rock with any anybody it'll be the x 
Well, me and this brother, man, we met, we met, uh, I think it's been, uh, I think about 13, 14 years, maybe, maybe 12, 13 years, me and this brother met and uh, it's been history, man. I have, I, I mean, the, the amount of work that we've put in together, you know, bringing his genius to the table and bringing my genius to the table, we've produced some great some great work over the years man and i'm proud to call this brother my friend i'm proud to call him my brother i want y'all to give a warm 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 welcome to this king right here mr written in pain carlos lavazari After the intro like that, you just be wanting to be like, yo, man, good, thank you for coming out. <laughs> yeah, my brother, you you finally here. We made it. This is this is the interview I've been waiting for. Family. Spoken soul session family. Listen to me when I tell you. You guys are in for a treat. If you are a lover of spoken word. If you are a lover of storytelling. Now, y'all know that my what I usually do, I usually spit a piece or I'll play a piece in the beginning of the show. Today, I didn't do that. That was just a sample of this brother's storytelling, the intro today. That was a piece entitled Wake Up. And if you listen to that piece, you get lost in it. My brother, man. Can you please, man, tell us, tell us before we get into the actual interview, I just want to know what inspired that. Well, first, first and foremost, let me just say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really honored to be here, man. I see what you're doing. I like what you're doing with this platform. Uh, I know that you haven't had some elites uh, on this microphone talking to you. So, man, I'm just, you know, I'm just honored to be here. Plus, you know, anything, anything you doing, you know, I'm, I got your back anyway, but oh, I see what you're doing and I just appreciate, you know, I appreciate being here. I ain't confront like, I ain't know I was going to be on the show because everybody going to be like, you know, you knew you was going to be a guest on, on Soul Session. <laughs> but it's still an honor to be here because I see so far you just had some really dope artists up here. So I'm honored to be a comment with them. Um, but to answer your question, what happened was um, I was at a former associate of ours place and he played this beat. Mm. And uh, the sax came in and I was like, this the kind of beat I would tell a story to. And he grabbed his microphone and put it in front of me. And he was like, well, go ahead. <laughs> and uh, I closed my eyes. I, I leaned forward. I closed my eyes. I listened to the beat. And man, I got to tell you that what, 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 what really transpired in that situation was something spiritual, like something. I get goosebumps thinking about it. Something happens. I clicked with something. That story wanted to be told. Mm. It was just used me as a vessel because I didn't write it. Like, I don't take credit for that piece wholeheartedly because I didn't sit down and write it, man. I closed my eyes and I really feel like 
I don't know if it was an ancestor of mine or one of my, I don't know what happened, but something channeled me into wake up. And when I finished talking, when I said the last word, cause I'm old, I opened my eyes and I was, it was like, that was it. And when I opened my eyes, um, him and lyrical movements was in the room and they were both looking at me like, wow. wow. <laughs> yeah, real. man, that piece right there. Cause actually my first, the first time I heard that piece was on your album, but it, it, it caught me off guard because I'm listening to the album. I'm listening to the album. The album got some dope tracks on it. That, that name of that album is I am written in pain. Is that still out? Is it still available? I mean, if you want to email me, writtenandpain at gmail.com, I could I could get you those tracks. All right. But definitely, so I'm 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 listening to the 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 uh the album and it gets to the last track. And I know it's the last track because it's the it's the intro going out. You giving all the right, credit. You do the outro. So you 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 you're basically thanking everyone or whatever the case may be. And then the beat just it just comes off and I'm like, I'm listening to it and it ain't go off yet. So I'm still listening to it because I got my headphones on and I'm like, what is this? And I listen to it and I'm telling you, man, when you say that you got, that it was channeled in you, that you was used as a vessel, believe me, the first time I heard that piece, man, I got lost in the zone. It, it directly brought me back to my grandmother. Like it, it just so, it's so many parts. It, it was so genuine, the 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 deliverance, the way you delivered it, it was so genuine, and it wasn't scripted. You can tell it wasn't scripted. It came from the soul. But that piece right there, it it, it was is an amazing piece. Is is an amazing you, piece, you know. You. And to be done without writing it, just freestyle. That was one take. One take. You know, you didn't have to think about it. It just came to you, man. And and this is the art of storytelling. Now, we're going to get into this brother's work, man. But I'm, I'm letting y'all know already, man. I'm letting y'all already know that this show right here is going to do numbers. My brother. Yes, sir. Tell us, how did you get involved in poetry slash spoken word well those are two different things to me i separate poetry from spoken word because when you say poetry i really think about more so the written language um because there's a different style and a different technique you use when trying to get your point across with written word and then there's spoken word which i feel like is less reliant on your written abilities and more relying on your ability to be able to convey a message physically and still be captivated. So to answer your question is two parts. I started writing poetry when I was a small kid. I started writing poetry probably when I was six or seven, trying to mimic uh, Dr. Seuss. So that was my first introduction to me trying to write poetry. And then as I progressed on in school, reading different artists like Frost, like Poe, I started I always love playing with words. The spoken word aspect of it, um, really, I fell into blog talk and blog talk kind of was a comfortable way for me to be able to 
read my written word, able to convey the emotion I was feeling when I wrote it. Now, at the time when I'm doing this, I don't think that that's a big deal. I think that that's how you're supposed to read poetry until I started listening to other people read their poetry. I realized that wasn't necessarily everybody's style, but for me coming in as a novice, my thing was deliver this with the whatever I was feeling when I wrote it, convey that in my in my delivery. And um, from there, snowballed to the stage. Um, you know, you really had a lot to do with being a catalyst with me getting to the stage. And then from there, it's just constantly been a learning experience. Every slam you lose or win, or as you look at other poets, or when you hang around dope poets, going to places like the Den, and you in those environments where you feed off each other, your craft only grows from there. Definitely. I, I, I'm a winded bro, so I apologize, but I just like to try to answer the question the best way I can. Nah, nah, go ahead, my brother. Go ahead. This is your platform today. Now, you say that you got into spoken with, like, because I know that you're able, because some people would mistake you, mistaking you for a rapper if they didn't know any better. Right. Because your gift with words, you, you're really you're really able to freestyle, like off, a, off the drop of a hat. I've seen you do it numerous times. And like, how did, like, how did the freestyle thing happen for you? Well, the freestyle thing happened just from living in the Bronx in the in the in the city um, during my during the time I was coming up. The ability to be able to rap was like the hip thing to be able. It was like it was like being able to cross over in basketball, or you had some guys they knew how to backflip, or some guys could do wheelies. But in the Bronx, it was like, can do you got sixteen at any time? So when you're in that environment where you could be going to the store for your moms and somebody run up on you like, Los, look at you with your bags and your Medicaid card trying to be hard. Word to God, you look scarred. And everybody like, oh, and you don't got nothing to say. It's like, oh, you're whack. <laughs> so that was just a thing. Like you always was thinking of rhymes. You When you was in the bathroom, that's what uh, in the movie Juice always found that I always found that interesting where like he was a DJ and everywhere he went even if he wasn't DJing he was always DJing and that's how it was for me coming up like I was all I'll be walking I just would always be rapping so muscle memory is a real thing I think from years of me doing that my brain is just conditioned to think in rhyme and rhyme scheme and I'm not saying that to sound like I got some mutant ability. I just know that I've been doing that since I was like 12. So my brain, if, if somebody was like freestyle, my brain already starts to configure bars. But that's just for me growing up in the Bronx, man. I just, that's mm. what I contributed to. <laughs> so yeah, so you you was on the uh, blog talk scene. I did an interview with Lyrical Movements and she was telling me how the how she brought you in as a co-host and how it just morphed. Tell us a little bit about that. What happened? Well, she had been doing, um, she had been doing podcasting, interviewing poets and, uh, you know, she kind of wanted to expand to a bigger platform. So she started doing uh, a breathing through paper show and her initial idea 
was to have a different co-host every show. But I've known Lyrical Movement for a long time. So when it was my turn to be her co-host, it was just a synergy. One, because we already know each other. And two, it was just because that energy that we had was different from any energy that you had at any other block talk show. I, I want to say, and I'm pretty sure I could vouch for this, most blog talk hosts that had co-hosts had never even met each other in the mm. physical. Most of them. So the vibe was different with our show and it just gelled. And then one day she just made the announcement like, you're in the pain, going to be the permanent co-host. And I was like, oh, I was on the phone like, oh, wow. Oh, that's how we're doing it. <laughs> that's how she brought it back. So, so yeah, man. So, so tell the people... A quick, the quick version of how you and I met, because I'm gonna let you know people. Well, basically, that- to make to make a long story short, um, a mutual poet had told me that no, that's not no, that's not what happened. You hit me up in the inbox using your government name, <laughs> like telling me that a mutual poet had told you to link up with me. So I went to that mutual poet, and they said they didn't really know you. They just thought that you reminded them of me. And I didn't really know how I felt about that. <laughs> so, you know, uh, later on, while me and Luke Moons was hosting that show, you came on, you spit a fire piece. And uh, I asked like, yo, man, friend request me, man, let's link up and do something. You pretty much was like, I've been friend requested you. That's me in your inbox. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I came out to Brooklyn. And me and you wrote uh, a piece called "Hustlers Prayer." Yeah, you guys can you guys can check that out too. It's on my SoundCloud. Um, poetic yeah, it's on Black my Sound. SoundCloud too. Yeah, so you can go either Written in Pain, um, SoundCloud or Poetic Black SoundCloud, and you can um check that piece. In fact, that was yeah, that was the very first piece that you and I wrote together, and it yeah. was crazy because the vibe. When I talk to you, you say, yeah, I'm back in New York right now. And what's up? We going to link? I said, all right. I said, I'm in Brooklyn. And you was like, I ain't scared to come to Brooklyn. I said, oh, really? I said, you're not scared to come to Brooklyn. That's all good. Let's go. And you came through, man. And we went and we put pen to paper, man. And that was the very first piece that we did, Hustler's Prayer. And it was it was epic. That 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 piece right there is a movie in itself. Indeed. The track, the track too, is a movie. Like, if you close your eyes and listen to Hustler's Prayer, you can definitely visualize uh, what's going on. And if you have experienced the things in Hustler's Prayer, then you'll feel what's going on. Indeed. But now, this is the time where we going to get into one of these pieces you got for us, man. And uh, okay. I want you... I want I want the people out there to really pay attention right now. When we get after after you spit this piece, you won't, we gonna go over some things about this piece. But I want you to spit this piece, man. I'm a, let me set the let me set the mood and let me set the stage for you, my brother, to give you a nice warm welcome and introduce you properly, ladies. Okay, and, before all right, before you do that, bro. I just wanted to uh, just briefly talk about what the motivation was behind this piece. Okay. Um, I was watching National Geographic and uh, 
what I was watching was about the hierarchy in in gorillas and how when gorillas get a certain age, there's younger gorillas that come and try to test them to see if they're still worthy to be the head of the pride. And so that kind of thing applies in life sometimes, whether you're an athlete or you work at a job or you live in a community, whatever it is you do, there's always a time in life where them, those young lions start coming up trying to see if you're worthy of that spot or is it time for you to move on. So that was the motivation of that piece. I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you, bro. All right, it's cool. Now, uh, let, me, let me set the stage for you. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready to be awed, wild, and strictly blown away. Coming to the stage, let's give a warm, warm welcome to my brother, Mr. Written in Pain. Thank you very much. Um, this piece I'm about to share with you all is called When the Mighty Has Fallen. And as the sun rose, the Serengeti, same as it always had, you could hear the mighty roar of Tajari as he roared his victory roar. For Tajari was ruler of these plains and the infamous roar was necessary to alert all in the lands that the king had risen. This morning would mark the beginning of the life mating cycle, a time when the bucks would now test themselves with rigorous wrestling and all types of actions going on amongst the pride. True to form, Tajari knew that even he himself would be tested by those who felt his time was up and his reign was done. He rose up from his resting place when he was surrounded by six lionesses sworn to protect and hunt for the pride. Glancing at the lion cubs, they began to pair off in twos, lining themselves amongst the still water to drink and have a morning fresh. Yet sitting by the water, staring at his own reflection, he noticed the matting of his mane, how it had become thick and worn, pieces of his face even missing, one of his teeth broken so close to the root, it was almost as if there was no tooth left at all. His claws now dulled, his belly dragging. And those lions, they looked upon him, not as rivals, 
but young bucks knowing that today was the day. His teeth, his claws no longer manufactured the kind of intimidation that kept the youngsters at bay. Tajari could feel the effects of 1,000 battles, for his legs had ran the races of a 1,000 miles. It was then that the eldest of the pride came upon him. Oh, great Tajari, he chuckled to himself. You have finally come upon a battle you cannot win. And it is against father time, no doubt. Yes, we all attempt to postpone it, hinder it, even ignore its arrival. <laughs> but we all lose the battle to father time. Tajari looked at the old man. But Elder, what does this all mean? It is okay, the elder responded. For there comes a day when even the mighty shall fall. Tajari followed the old lion away with his eyes and then stared back into the still water, his own reflection and begun to drink. Yet in the shadows, peering at him through the bush were the eyes of Cain. He was a rogue lion who had been eyeing Tajiri's pride for quite some time now. And he had chosen today to strike. He would wait for the very moment and all could see and take him and kill him amongst the lioness and the lion cubs and crown himself king of these lands. Tajari now walked within the midst of the pride with the bucks gathered amongst themselves in hopes of gaining the affections of one of the younger lionesses cubs just now leaving the suckling of their mother's milk, acquiring a taste of fat, blood, and flesh. Practicing their hunting skills on each other, tackling Tajiri's tail and mane. Some of the bucks and elders questioned if Tajiri was just a shell of himself as he himself remembered the days when it was he who was the young buck. Plotting on an aging king. Okai was ruler at a time when the lions were not worthy of the Serengeti, for the hyenas had encamped them and the black dogs had surrounded them. They had picked the day of the anniversary of the full cycle of Okai's leadership to attack. They first came for the lionesses. Okai, too slow, too old to defend them. Tajiri ran from the bush, attacking the hyenas, killing all the wild dogs. 
giving the spoils to the lionesses and snatched away the head of the alpha hyena and dropped it in front of Okai's feet. Okai's pride sat and stepped back to see if he would live up to the challenge of Tajiri. This was the day that Tajiri became king of these lands. Yet as one generation recedes, so the next will move forward and this cycle continues and continues again. And deeds of honor become legend and legend soon becomes folklore. Folklore soon becomes forgotten. And the bucks of this generation do not know the great deeds of the mighty king. Nor are there any elders left who remember his rise to power. For his championship reign was just a whisper. Tajiri was still able to defend his pride with the same vigor he once possessed. This was a belief he shared alone, for it had been so long since anyone had witnessed the great strength of the mighty Tajiri. And if his name is to still be attached to King, and perhaps it had lasted too long, perhaps his reign had now become just days of leisure. Although Tajiri was still highly respected, it was the youth who questioned if this respect was worthy. But no one would dare speak against it. Well, almost no one. After Jerry sat and held counsel with the lionesses of the pride, it would be Kadar that would approach him. Oh, great and mighty Tajiri. It is an honor to find you at leisure with the lionesses, O oh, noble and knowledgeable king. Kadar's sarcasm could not be hidden. Even from the lion cubs, Kadar once left the pride on a mission of discovery for two or three cycles. When he returned, he crowned himself wisest of the lion pride. It was a title Tajiri accepted, but never confirmed. Greetings, Kadar, Tajiri replied. Kadar began to pace back and forth as to gain attention to himself. Is it not odd that I find you here during the mating season at leisure? Should a king busy himself with leisure? Should he not be to himself pondering on what things need be done? To Jerry, without even glancing at the lion said, one must thoroughly think about what needs be done before doing 
Therefore, he keeps himself for doing that which need not be done. For full thoughts needs to be attributed to action for action to be found worthy. For if one thought while doing, then that which is being done does not have the full concentration of thought. Therefore, a lion is only attempting action, not taking action, for thoughtless action is equal to nothing. Kadar, now attempting to hide his contempt, accepted the challenge of the king. Well then, tell me this, O wise king. Does one prepare for the days of famine and drought while thinking? What you are now thinking of doing while those starve during the drought as you do nothing? There were scattered murmurs amongst the pride. They all seemed bewildered by Kadar's question, yet intrigued by what Tajiri may say. Kaduri came close as if to mock Tajiri. Tajiri, now eyes fixed on Kadar, said, Prepare. Were you not told from your youth that you cannot prepare for that which is unpredictable? Were you not told that it is diamonds that is forged through pressure? Just as the butterfly has to die as the caterpillar in order to fly. So when the great architect causes famine and drought, to his pride, it is to weed out the weak and build the strong, for the weak will turn to dust and the strong will become wise. Surely you know this already, whole wise Kadar. By this time, the pride was in adoration and began laughing and mocking Kadar's attempts to make the king a fool. For Kadar's trap had now backfired. Now, infuriated, Kadar turned to the pride. You laugh and mock me? For the seduction of his words will be your death. Born on these very lands, he has never ventured beyond the great beyond. His claws have never climbed mountains. How can you give how can you give praise to a ruler that speaks of the great architect, yet know not the wisdom of his creations? Tajari retorted. <laughs> I need not leave these lands to understand the endless limitless power of the great architect's creations. For what you call a confinement, I call the circle of life and the splendor of creations created are way too great to be understood. 
the foolishness of those who can take the beauty of anything and call it wisdom, for you understand the building of the great architect. And that is fine if you worship the mountains and the street and the creeks and the streams. So be it. For me to see the fullness of the beauty of the creation of the creator, I need to only look to my lioness as the pinnacle. For she is the life giver to the future king of the lands. So tell me, what creation has the almighty architect created greater than she? Or maybe Kadar would like to go mate with the mountains and the butterfly and the streams this mating season. Kadar left in high contempt, and there was a vow made amongst the lioness that no lioness would mate with Kadar in this season or any season that was to follow. Tajar responded in a humble tone. It is true. As king and ruler and protector of the lands, I am not at liberty to venture off into the unknown, for I am bound here. For when you are off discovering the wonders of creation, I was here, preserving the lands, protecting the lioness from hyena. As you went and drank from the waters, from the lands beyond the great beyond, I was here protecting lion cubs from wild dog. So tell me, O oh great Kedar, if you find yourself worthy to be king, let it be said amongst the pride. For I hold nothing higher than the lioness, and I hold nothing higher than these lands. So all appreciation to the great architect for creating those creations, but these lands were created for the king. The dog left with his tail between his legs, and as sunset approached, the cubs began to gather around to Jerry, roaring, stalking him hunting his tail once again. And it was at this time, another lion came from the bush to approach Tajari. His name was Bambosi. Bambosi was legendary for his speed, known as the swiftest lion in the lands. He was once rumored to outrun a cheetah for a kill. The cubs would sing songs and tell tales of the six-legged ghost known as Bambosi. He approached. Good evening, my lord, Bambosi said slyly. Greeting, Bambosi. And what brings you to the council this evening? I came here to see my king in all due respect with a question. Okai, 
who rose to his feet, leaned over into the king's ear and said, he always, they always come with questions, don't they? Carry on, Bambosi. We have other matters this evening. Bambosi focused on Tajiri's eyes and spoke sternly. You are no longer in condition to obtain meat for your pride. Is it due to the reality that you should step down as king? Why? Why would anyone serve a king who is unable to even outrun the tortoise for food? <laughs> I am sure that I would be better suited as king as you sit there full of yourself. I can assure you this. I can provide more food faster than you can with less effort. Tajiri smirked to himself. You should humble yourself, Babosi, as you will find yourself in contempt of your land. Bambosi sneered at Tajiri. I have nothing but contempt for this land who is ruled by this king. So for that reason, I have issued a challenge for your crown. The crowd gasped. Bambosi, humble yourself and respect your king, Okai said. It is quite all right, Hokai. I am very interested in the master hunter and his challenge. Very well then, Bambosi. Continue. If you believe my words to be false, then prove it. Race me for meat but we will find food for the tribe and whoever comes back with food faster for the tribe should be king. Bambosi looked over, resting at a sleeping cub. I tell you that I will bring you back more food for this pride before this cub awakens. Babosi, I accept your challenge under one condition. If you do not come back with more food, then if you do not return with more food, then I am able to gather faster than I am. Then you are to leave these lands and never return. Then trust me, I will not fail. Very well, then. Bambosi continued. Whoever can gather more food faster than this cub's nap will end will be king of the pride. Bambosi spun around on his hind legs and readied himself. He shouted to Jari, still stroking the cub ever so gently. I promise you, my movement will be so swift. This 
cub will not even notice I have moved. And both he erupted. Your arrogance will be your downfall. You are beaten. But I will reveal that now. Tajari rose his head and to the distance spoke. Okai? Yes, sire, Okai responded. On your word. Okai looked over at Bambosi, who was coiled up on his hind legs, ready. You could feel the tenseness in the crowd. Now, Okai exclaimed. Now! In a burst of dust, Bambosi shot off into the bush, seeming to outrun even the very winds. Tajari just simply rose his nose into the air. Nostrils expand. He flipped his tail east, and Kima, the lioness, rose to her feet and darted into the bush. As soon as they, they had disappeared from sight, Bambosi could be seen with a baby gazelle in his mouth. He looked at the king, puzzled, then darted into the bush again. Tajari pointed his nose into the air again, flipping his tail west this time. Another lioness, Taya, erupted from the pride and shot off into the bush. No sooner than she disappeared, Bambosi returned, this time with a wildebeest twice his size. He sat down before the king and was visibly exhausted and panted. You have nothing. Your bones are too brittle to provide me for your pride. Tajari replied, the cub is still asleep. Are you now finished, Master Hunter? As there was a chorus erupting from the crowd, Bambosi was beyond fatigue. It was obvious to everyone. Yes, I am, he panted. No sooner than these words were spoken, the first lioness that was deployed returned. The full-grown zebra hanging from her jaw, from her jaw. She dropped it next to the baby gazelle. Bambosi, still struggling to catch his breath. What, what is this? Before his question would be answered, the eastbound lioness erupted from the bush, dragging a full-grown elephant. The gasping from the crowd awoke the cub that Tajiri had been stroking. This triggered Bambosi into a frenzy, even in his weakened state. You, you, did, you did not acquire this meat. It is important that a king say what he means, and you said acquire. You are not a king, nor do you think like one. For if the king is as fatigued as you are to bring meat to his tribe, then what happens when wild dog 
or hyena or vulture comes to steal the meat from the pride. Are you strong enough to defend this food? Are you strong enough to defend yourself against me, Bambosi, this withered, old, broken down king? As Tajari approached closer to Bambosi, Okai spoke, Hold, Hawaii's king. Tajiri looked at Bambosi and leaned his head into his ear. You are banished from these lands and are never to return. It was then that the challenge from the king, thrown from the pride, had been relinquished as Bambosi went off into the wilderness. Yet peering from the darkness with the black lion, the beast hyena nicknamed Hellcat, the shadow of death to all who he crossed paths with, Cain. Cain's father banished his mother from the pride while she was still pregnant with Cain. They moved in the darkness and hid from rogue lions. But it was hyena who Cain would practice and kill, for he was not allowed around bucks. One day, he and his mother stumbled upon a pack of African wild dogs. The dogs attacked them both. Cain was able to defend himself, but his mother was ripped apart by the pack animals. And there was a pack of 40 or more wild dogs setting their sights on Tajiri's pride. Cain knew that Tajiri was in no condition to defend his pride from these wild dogs. Tajiri's weakness angled Cain. And his ego that wouldn't allow him to step down to let a younger lion take the throne also infused Cain's anger with hatred. It was time to feast. Tajiri approached the meat gingerly for he could smell a tension in the air. As he lowered himself to eat, it was the black lion cane that would attack him. Your time as king is over. Step down now and I will let you sit in my council amongst the elders. Refuse and I will spill your blood amongst your very own lion cubs. I have been watching you, Cain. Seeing you lurk in the darkness, eating only the meat of hyena. For nothing will quench the thirst for revenge that you have against wild dog, but I am not your enemy. Silence, old lion. Step down or feel my claw. Tajiri reared himself on his hind legs and began to eat from the meat. 
This was in defiance of Cain's challenge. Cain jumped upon the back of the king to gain advantage from him. As the lioness went to move forward, Okai reminded them that when a challenge is made for the king's throne, no one is allowed to interfere. Cain dug his claw deep into the mane of Tajari. As it got stuck, Tajari tried to lock his teeth into the throat of Cain. It was at this moment, 80 pairs of eyes peered from the brush as four alpha males rushed for the meat and six others went to attack the lions. A pack of 40 wild dogs attacked Tajari and Cain. Cain became overran by the dogs as Tajiri summoned his lioness to take the cubs in positions of safety. He began to clamp down on the spines of the wild dogs, crippling them. The sounds of their bones snapping under his necks could be heard in the echoes of the Serengeti. As Cain jumped from wild dog to wild dog aimlessly, the wise king Tajari focused his sights on the alpha male, for he was the one barking orders behind two males protecting him. Tajiri knew if he could kill the alpha, the rest would flee in submission. So he circled around the back of them. As the battle ensued, Cain began to be overtaken by them. Tajiri ran to Kane's aid, breaking the hind legs of two wild dogs, then moving in a circular motion as to throw off the defending dogs. He whispered to Kane, keep those two occupied as I make a move for the alpha. Without hesitation, Kane lunged his body at the two guarding dogs as Tajiri circled the alpha. Using his mighty paws to push the head down into the dirt, Tajiri snapped the spine of the Alpha and roared his victory roar. The wild dog stopped. Seeing the twitching body of the Alpha, Tajiri reached in again, crushing his skull for sure measure. The wild dog scattered. It came chasing some of them and the lion is marking the territory. Cain went over to the battered Tajari. At the lioness and the cubs surrounded him. Cain approached him gingerly. You have proven yourself worthy of this pride, and I will return into the shadows where I belong, but believe I will be looking, I will be watching, and when the time is right, I will come to claim your throne. Tachari glanced at Cain with blood in his eye as he limped away into the darkness. He slowly made his way to his royal perch as the moon began to rise. Okai followed the king 
in his sarcastic manner, speaking to him. And what has been the lesson that you have learned today, almighty king? To Jerry chuckled to himself. <laughs> what is the lesson I have learned today, old one? That yes, there is a day appointed and the mighty shall fall. But for King Tajiri of these royal plains, today was not that day. And Tajiri roared his victory roar. Bowser in pain. Epic. You I got another one. Another one. <laughs> Wow. I wrote that a while ago, and my eyes not what they used to be, man. I was like, <laughs> how did I used to be able to see this? <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> I'm yo, I'm just blown away, man. That story is just so vivid, man. It's like I was I was sitting there like with my popcorn, and I'm like, wow, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen, man? What's gonna happen to the Jerry? What's gonna happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? That yo, that's that that right there is a uh, is is like proof, man. That this ain't for everybody, man. Everybody can't do this, man. Like wow, man. Like you said that you inspired that piece was inspired. By you watching the Animal Planet? Yes, sir. I was watching. Uh, they was talking about it was about this this uh, pack of gorillas, and like um, this the head gorilla was getting old, and the younger gorillas started trying them. And, like they started throwing like rocks at them and stuff. And like the people that had made the documentary, they had been following these gorillas for a while. So he used to be like he used to be the dude. And these, it just showed you how, like, and then one day he just spazzed and all of the young lions that have been throwing rocks and coconuts at him and messing with him, he killed them. And they didn't even catch the footage. They just showed him the next morning. He was with all the feet. He had the female gorillas, but all the male gorillas, he had broke their neck. Wow. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. But that's man. what inspired that. That piece was phenomenal, my brother. That was Thank a phenomenal you, piece, man. So descriptive, man. Like, like the the thought that went into that, man. You really made the story come alive, my brother, man. That's Thank you, that man. that right there was epic, epic. But uh, I don't want to make you get right back into another piece because that right there, man. That 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 piece <laughs> right there was like whoa. <laughs> Yeah, man, that was a lot to chew on, man. And again, you know, I was stumbling through it a little bit. I was just like, dag, man, I was having a hard time reading my own hand. That was back in the days when I was still using the pen and paper. So pardon me, man. It's all good, my brother. We appreciate it. We we definitely appreciate the effort that you brought and that you brought to the table. Man, that was just phenomenal, man. That was That was phenomenal. But yeah, man, so tell us. Storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you get your stories? How do like where do you really draw your inspiration comedy. from? Um, 
I don't premeditate them. They come, I can't explain it. And I don't want to sound corny or nothing, but something comes to me where it's just like, and I explain it. And when I, when I read uh, daddy, I explain it a little bit right before I get into the piece. There's a piece that I write right before the piece that kind of explain what happens. And it's like something is trying to communicate this story to me. And I almost feel like I'm a medium to the story. The only the only exception I make to that rule would be when the mighty has fallen, because I really thought about how I was going to tell that story. But besides that, most of the stories that come to me, they just come to me. And so I usually write the ending first and then work my way backwards. Wow. Wow. That's deep. That's deep. But uh, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready to go, man. I'm, you know, I'm ready. All right. So uh, what, what's the name of this piece that's coming up? This piece is called Next Light. This piece uh, was inspired by a movie called uh, The Curious Life of Benjamin Buttons. And I went to see this movie. And after I saw the movie, I went home and I wrote this piece. Wow. So I'm going to let you get into it, brother. Let me set the stage for you, man. Coming back to the stage, you give a warm spoken soul sessions. Welcome to my brother, Mr. Written in Pain. This piece is called Next Light. Head towards the light. It's cold there, but it's, it's cold here. My, my language, only anguish. My history is forgotten as it's created. I feel elation like a like a celebration. Ball wrinkle up face. I'm not seeing, so I'm not seeing why I even cry. What am I sucking? It's just a little bit of warm milk. I can't control my bowels. But just talk to me. Homie, forget me not. She's my first love, my everything. Fragile and toothless, dependent, fighting for independence, walker, but no walker, crawling, demanding to stand, jump, climb is my plan. Half of yesterday forgotten. Birthday parties, learning the laws of the land, what burns the handle. Land you in that cage, pacified. I need to work, build buildings with blocks, knocked down, once erected. What's it all for? They mock my speech. I correct it. Needing less protection, retaining more in mind. Those hidden goodies are easier to find, not afraid to climb. First day at the office, I feel abandoned. Don't leave me here. Sad goodbyes. We're all followers. 
she will lead us. My second mother, letters, colors, how to correlate with each other, friendships made for life, graduated, sad goodbyes. The mirrors rearranging me. Eyes feel smaller, legs feel longer. I, f- I feel stronger. I think I love her. She loves me. We hit each other. Scrape knee, bike insurance, insured by nurse mother, first aid, band-aid. I love her. <laughs> Wait, I love her? It's different from my mother. We need to discover each other. In love, having sex. Are we fucking? What am I sucking? Graduated. Sad goodbyes. No endings, just new beginnings. In and out of love's revolving doors. I don't want to love no more. Or I've never been in love before. She's the one, now another one. Two times, three times, sometimes first times, a lifetime. You got your own crib now. First day at the office. We all follow us. She will lead us. Grids and graphs, colored blocks for stocks. But what's it all for? Lifetime friends now, faces in passing. Has it been that long? Does it seem that long? You're married, not fucking. You making love. You love her. She cooks, she cleans, irons. She's a second mother. You know you love her. You hit each other. Breasts, sucking, no milk. Milk. Your second mother will be a mother. Ain't this a mother? Your child's four now, ready for preschool. Then invited to high school reunions. Has it been 20 years? Car accident. Insurance is a mother. Slowing down. Wife's endurance is a mother. Abandoning the child at the office. Sad goodbyes. Aches and pains. Eroded body. She off to college. Sad goodbyes. Retirement parties. Friends going to longer nights. My wife lost a cancer fight. Sad goodbyes. Music plays lower. I, I move a little slow. No deep, just bald, wrinkled face. Walker, no walker. Trying to walk. I'm forgetting yesterday's. Sad goodbye. I'm sorry. Can't control my father. I was a good father. Great father. Now I'm a great grandfather. Fragile. Fine for independence. Look at my baby. Holding me. Talking to me. Giving me just a little bit of warmth. I say... I say, mother was my first love. I say, your mother was my first love. Good night. Heading towards the light.
most sad goodbyes. I'm graduating. That was running pain. One more time for this. Incredible, my brother. Incredible, man. Yo, we gotta get we gotta unpack this piece right here, man. Like okay, this this yo the the description, like the way you even changed your voice, man. It's like you started off as a baby, went to a a a, a, a toddler, to a to a teenager, to a to a grown man, back to a grandfather. I mean, you seen the transition, like you followed the entire transition of the poem, man. Like, wow. Like, Thank I, you, man. I know you came up with the concept from the movie, right? But right. But the intangibles, though, like the concept to to even to change the voice, your delivery of it. I think I think that that that's like well. Again, when you're talking about spoken word, right? Because I could read that piece straight through. Because if we're talking about the art of storytelling, right? So I could read that piece straight through. And you would still get the point. You would still get the the overall message I was trying to convey. You would, because I make it kind of clear that he's transitioning through the different stages of life. Mm. However, with the voice transition, I feel like it takes you more on the journey, whereas more than listening, you're having an experience. And I think that is the art in storytelling where the difference between when you're reading something and when you finish reading it, you just read something that you comprehend. And then when you read something that caused you to have either a psychological or an emotional or a spiritual experience. And with that piece, I wanted everybody to kind of, because whatever part, wherever you are in life, some part of that poem is going to resonate with you because you've been around old people. You remember being young. And I think that that piece kind of relates to the human part of all of us. And the, the story I'm trying to tell in that piece is that life is 360 degrees. Like Indeed. it's, it really is. And these experiences that we experience, we keep experiencing them on different levels. Indeed. Indeed. I agree so much. Like, that that piece right there was phenomenal, man. I like I like the transition. I love the message, and it was genuine. Now this the 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 next piece. I'm gonna let my audience know the next piece that you you're about to spit. Well, this piece right here was so was so crazy. This piece right here was so crazy that. You you read that piece to me one time, and I heard it, and then I forgot about it. But years later, it was like three years later, I was talking to you, and I was like, yo, you remember that movie? I don't know who played in that movie, man. It was this movie. It was this movie about... And I'm I'm describing 
I, I tell you no lie, family. I was describing this poem. This is how descriptive this poem and how much of an impact this poem had on me that I was like, wow, I thought this was a movie that I had actually seen. I was like, yo, who played in it? I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember the actors. Who played in this movie? But this piece right here is phenomenal, man. And I'm glad you chose to do this poem last because this is this poem right here. I need y'all to tune in for this one right here. We'll unpack it after you finish. But this right here, you, you're going to be in for a treat, family. So, like I had said before, I'm not going to explain about the motivation of this piece because uh, the motivation behind this piece I kind of explain um, in the beginning of the piece. Uh, so the thing about that is that, I, again, it was kind of just like me having one of these experiences where I felt like this story wasn't coming from me, but to me, mm. if, if that mm. makes any sense at all. Definitely. So, um I'm going to get into it. Third version. Mind and soul conversion. Something speaking in third person. So I get beside myself. Whoever overstands the plans of a madman besides himself. Three days it takes for thoughts to circulate. It's well worth the wait. Facts, fiction, imagination integrate. But this is a third eye version. Muse on a different frequently. With a frequency that frequently speaks to me. Retelling stories. It don't want forgotten. So I'm forced to retell stories I can't forget. Forged from an oppressor's grip. Pregnant women's bellies ripped. Rape slaughtered on them slave ships. So it's no disservice to call me whipped. Being as my being is consumed with my ancestors being whipped. Chained. In fact, that's the very marrow of my written pain. This piece is called Daddy. Beautiful morning this is. Stayed over by my girl house late last night. We was playing cards and drinking moonshine to the night crack wide open. Look at her. Just as sleeping, just as peaceful. The clock on the wall say 12.30, shit. And it's Sunday. Should have done been halfway through daddy lumber by now. My daddy the only colored man in these parts with his own business. Our house was bigger than most white folks around here. I reckon they never cared that for that too much, but <laughs> they sure love my daddy clocks. And it was two hours to the next town to find a decent shoemaker. My sisters and my cousins would deliver my mama's pies all over town. They ain't do too bad either. Not that we needed the money. I think mama liked the look on everybody's face getting one of her famous pies. But even mama needed money from daddy to get to get them oranges and apples and pizzas the way she liked them. 
Daddy got his money from them shoes and clocks, and he couldn't make nab one if he ain't have his lumber for the week sawed and shave. Better get myself dressed as fast, fast can and get to walking to my house. So I creep out the door not to wake up my baby girl. Cause I know daddy gonna have my high. I can hear him now. I can hear him now looking at me with his eyes squinting. Boy, you about 20 years of age. Time to take this life damn serious. I be too old to run this place and show time and you need to straighten up and fly right. What must I argue about? My granddaddy was born in them slavery times when the colored could give, couldn't have nothing else than what was given to him. He watched my daddy shine shoes till he was too old to pop a rag. My daddy said he was going to learn how to make shoes so he ain't never find himself down there shining nothing. Found himself hanging around the shoe shine parlors. So when the white folks came around to get them shoe shines, he came with two or three brand new pair, custom made. So like hotcakes on Sunday. For too long, he was taking orders. By the time he was my age, he was already making clocks for a hobby. Rich white folks come by, pick up one of those two. Married my mama and bought our house and the land, raised me and my three little sisters. Mm -hmm. About 10 years ago, he and my uncle built the shop from scratch. That way, dad ain't had to be traveling every which way to sell his shoes and clocks. Everybody come to him. He said, everybody go where they're going with my shoes on their feet. Ain't nothing left now but word of mouth. <laughs> I love my daddy. Six foot six, black and cold. Teeth, white as cheese. Yeah, big hands. Yeah, big old hands. Workman hands. And he was sure that he remembered how he got that every cut and nick on his hands. He said his blood went into every pair of shoes he made. My daddy is a proud man. I remember when I was a boy, some well-to-do white man coming to the shop offering my daddy money to come work for him. My daddy said it was more money than the church had. I remember when I asked him, well, how come, how come he ain't go on and take his money? He said, son, ain't no price on the soul. My daddy died shining white man's shoes. And I ain't going to shame my daddy by making shoes for the white man. <laughs> I love my daddy. So I decided to double my pace because I ain't finna shame my daddy neither. I already knew what kind of lumber was needed for clock making. I knew the lower trunk of the oak tree made the best hills. Daddy say always charge more for the oak hills because they last longer. Just learning how to make clocks now. My daddy say, have a good eye and you'll be fine at clock making. Coming up on the house, I could visualize daddy standing out front, arms crossed how they was whenever he couldn't lay eyes on me. But it was close to round two now. And I know more than likely daddy want to lay more than eyes on me. That wood don't get done. I'm in for it. Coming around the front of the house, I don't see daddy. I see old Mr. Fagan strolling by. He ain't never cared too much for me. His daughter called me a well-to-do colored boy. I always teased them about they toe up shoes. <laughs> it was funny for a while until his sons burned down my sister's tree house up by the Marble Hill. He looking at me all up from under his hat. I see Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith was a decent enough white man. 
used to work for my daddy some years back, but I guess eventually all the white slave nigga loving pokes at him caused them to quit on us. He usually speak more time when he see me, but not today. He just give me a look and go on ahead. I get to the workbench, there's the wood from Saturday, all triangled up, ready for shaving and sanding. I still got to go to the shop to get my sander and my picks up. I know daddy in the shop. I love daddy, but I don't want to see him right now. I just want to get this wood done. When I get inside the shop, finish my work and go on in the house. But when I come around the shop, there go chicken bar. My daddy, old fishing buddy, was behind the counter. Now, nobody but family go behind the counter. I figured daddy must be show-handed. I know I'm in for that. Chicken, look over at me. You need to go see your daddy. I don't want to see daddy right now. I got work to do. I looked up at the sign over the shop's door. Three rules for the shop. Also, three rules my daddy lived by every day. Respect this place. I will, by all means, protect this place. And if you break what's mine, somebody going to have to pay. I shook my head. Because I remember the day he wrote that sign. And I love my daddy. When I reached the workstation, start sanding off that bar, I see them Kennedy brothers. Uh, two weeks ago, me and daddy riding back from the Everglades, bumped into them coming into town. Jimmy, the older of the two, screamed over to daddy. You may want to pull over to the side, boy. My daddy smiled, his pretty smile. Jimmy, I reckon now you must be losing your sight. You know it ain't the boy steering this here wagon. Jimmy said to daddy again, boy, pull over to the side so me and my brother can tend our matters. My daddy looked at me, rubbed my head, and started whistling. Just the dandiest of tunes. It was such a dandy tune, I just, I just started joining in. Old Jimmy started his coach and went over to the side. As we went by, he said, I swear some colored folks don't forgot their place. My daddy tipped his hat and said, I reckon few of us have. And I see that as being one of them good problems. How about you? <laughs> oh, I love my daddy. But the way old Jimmy Kennedy looking at me now, tipping his hat and winking at me, mighty fine day, son. I reckon it is, my response. That's what my neighbor's son, we call him Corn, because when we was kids, he was always chewing on some cob or some kernels or some popcorn. Always had some in his mouth. He walked up on me. You go see your daddy yet? I looked at him like a fool. Man, I'm trying to see daddy right now. He stood there for a spell and headed on back to his house. The sun working against me. So now I take my shirt off and get to that, get to that elbow grease, daddy say. I see my cousin, big girl, coming up the way. And we call him big girl because his daddy, my uncle Earl, wasn't much taller than my daddy, but he was huge. A head full of hair. One time he pulled the tree out the ground with his bare hands. He walked right up on me. You need to go up by the man and see your daddy. And you need to go now. I looked at Earl. What are you talking about? You need to go right now. What's, what's wrong with you? In all the days I know Earl, he never raised his voice at me. I figured daddy must have got to him. I'm going to go see daddy when my work is done. Go on now, Earl. 
He stood there for a minute. Then he left. Mr. Travis and his son walked by. Hey there, boy, he shouted. It was no secret. Mr. Travis ain't like nothing for no colors to do. Last year, he organized all the workers in town to stop buying my daddy's shoes and clocks. And before long, colors be owning everything around here. It worked for a while. <laughs> but good shoes. It's good shoes. Now, I'm showing the 20 years I've been living in Rosewood. It's the first time he ever said two words to me. I said, this here must be the end of time for my poor soul anyway. That's what my mama called over to me and said, son, go to your daddy. Ma, I ain't trying to see daddy right now. She says, son, please go get your daddy and bring him here. I turned away from her without answering and went back to my workplace. Remember when daddy first took me fishing, he told me to dig up worms. He sat in that water for four hours and caught six fish. I ain't even get one worm. I remember going home and him saying, well, boy, if you can't catch a worm, you ain't gonna never catch no fish. It was too quiet. Big girl and corn were back. Only now big girl crying. I ain't never seen corn talk to Earl. And I ain't never seen Earl crying. Corn shouted to me. You need to go get your daddy. I screamed, I ain't trying to see daddy now. Not till I done finish. Big Earl walked over to me real slow. Took the pickaxe out my hand and said to me calmly, with tears in his eyes, go to your daddy, cousin. My chest on the burn. That Florida son had picked up momentum and I started walking up the hill toward the manor. I started walking up the hill. None of the good white folks of the town would look at me. Miss Helen saw me and looked down to the ground. The clans sold chickens, turned his face from me. And old Jake, the town butcher, was the only man who was doing as well as my daddy in the town. Still never cared for daddy much. But he long prided himself from being a big man around here. He stared at me with a cold look in his eyes. Now my brow was lathered with sweat and every nerve in my body was alive. My heart felt like it was fixing the bus. It was, it was beating so hard. And out of nowhere, it seemed to stop. And I could see an image at the top of the hill of a man rope around his neck, swinging. Must be a friend of daddy's. Maybe daddy don't, don't want to leave his friend's side. So, so, so I got a little closer. And I could see the man was stripped naked. Except for his shoes. I couldn't recognize his face. It'd been, it'd been gun butted so bad. And his hands were chopped clean off. As well as his man pops. Them shoes. And them shoes were the first shoes I ever made. Size 11 and a half on the left foot. 11 even on the right. Them my daddy's shoes. And his blood was all over. I looked up into them open eyes and pulled out my Swiss Army knife as Earl busted me up to cut him up from that tree. 
Earl boosted me up to cut him out from that tree. I kissed daddy. As Earl put him across his shoulders, we headed down the hill. Now all the white folks in the town was staring, looking, whispering, Miss Helen, looking, Mr. Clarence, looking, Kennedy boys, looking, old, old Jake the town butcher. He, he looking on too with a smile on his face. I hope he know. I know ain't nobody got the kind of tool to cut my daddy's hands clean off but him. But I can't cry not right now. I won't cry to my daddy in the ground. We walked over where, where my mama was standing and laid daddy on the porch. The scream that came from my mama, it didn't come from a body. It came from a soul. Chicken Bob, Corn, and Earl comfort me. Mama and my sisters, they took them all in the house. But I went back to the shop and started loading up daddy's shotgun. See, it wasn't going to be no Sunday dinner this evening. Wasn't going to be no more smiling by old Jake the Butcher. Most likely wasn't going to be no more shoemaking for me either. So I'm pretty sure by the night's end, I'm going to be hanging from that same tree. As I loaded the last shell, I looked up at the sign over the shop door. Rule number three. If you break what's mine. Somebody got to pay. I see now my heart. My heart is broken. Because I love my daddy. And now. Now somebody going to have to pay. That was really pain. Incredible, man. Do y'all see what I mean? I mean, wow, man. That piece, man, that piece never gets old to me. That piece right there, man. Wow, man. The description, man. Spoken Soul Session Family. Did y'all hear that? Yes, sir. (laughs) Did y'all hear that? Now tell let's tell tell us a little bit about Daddy. Like, like we know what you said in the beginning. Like the poem mm-hmm. that you wrote in the beginning of Daddy, that kind of gave a synopsis of what what you was going through. But mm-hmm. it's like, like where do you draw from to write something so vivid, man? Bro, I can clearly remember the day um, I was on the phone with a friend of mine, and. Uh, what happened was I had said something to piss them off and they wouldn't talk. Like they just wouldn't talk on the phone. So in the silence, I was sitting there and I just started telling this story. And for the most part, that was 85% of it was what I had just said. But what I just read to you was pretty much 85% of what I had said. So at the end of it, when I said, now somebody to pay, she says, God damn you. And I laughed because I really just did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So she said, you need to write that down. <laughs> so I hung up immediately and I wrote it down. But I don't know, man. That, man, that piece right there is legendary right there, man. That is a legendary piece right there. And to think that that's a poem, like, wow. 
like it's 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 just it it just blows me away every time I think of it. I was like, like where do where do your mind be going? Like you have a lot of pieces like that. It's not like you just got one or two. Like you just got a, you know, like this. You, you just was feeling. You just feeling it today. You, you you wrote a banger. Nah, you got you got countless pieces that that live up to that same expectation, man. And I salute you, Thank my you, brother. brother. I just feel like, you know, a lot of times um, people pigeonhole themselves anyway. Like you call yourself a poet and sometimes you think, but well, that's all you're capable of. And a lot of times poems end up being short stories, especially when you go to spoken word events. So a lot of times spoken word artists, they telling stories within that three minutes. Mm. Um, but if you allow yourself to branch yourself outside of that three minute box or outside of that poetry box and just tell that story that you want to tell. And, you know, those stories are either inside of you already or <laughs> they're going to come to you through some kind of I have a belief that all us artists, we're vehicles for the muse, like we're vehicles for those inspirations that come through. So stories like that, like a story like Daddy, I'm inclined to believe that in time, in history, somewhere, that is someone's true story. And it just manifested itself through me to be told. That's my belief. Definitely. I could agree with that because something that descriptive, that heartfelt, you know, it got to be something from old. It got to be. But that piece right there was. Because I'm not from the South, bro. Like, it's like, I'm not from the South. And in in the parallel that you see in Wake Up and in Daddy, I didn't grow up in the South. But there's something there that keeps using me to tell these kind of stories. And I'm just, I'm being honest when I say that. Most definite, man. I could could hear it, man, because, like, my family is from the South. And uh, mm-hmm. when you was doing Wake Up, man, is that one part in there? He said, "My my sister's in there in that kitchen cutting up that bacon," and I and I was like, I I see that, I see that growing up, you know, my my family come from the south, you know, I was raised in, in the city, but I used mm-hmm. to, I used to go down and I used to visit, and that was the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It was really family orientated, you know, family style. Everybody was collected together, and you you roll with your family. So mm-hmm. you, you got all of that in that poem. And it was like a nostalgia for me just listening to it, man. I was like, wow, this is this is like, did he write this? Like, this couldn't be written. How do you write those type of inflections? Like, there's got to be something that's driven out and that's that that's in you. And I and I applaud you, my brother. I definitely Thank you, applaud brother. you, man. Thank you, brother. Now... Now, like I told the audience in the beginning that this show was about the art of storytelling. And we know that you you do more than just storytelling. So we're going to bring you back on the show and we're going to highlight some of your skills in the spoken word realm. Because this is all about storytelling today. This is all about storytelling. So you, you probably got some written in pain fans out there. Like, oh, he got this piece. He got that piece. He got this piece. But this right here was for this right here was for the actual, you know, this this right here was for the people, man. So I appreciate you, my brother, for coming through. 
I appreciate you for taking this time to sit down with me and, and sit down with the audience, man, and really vibe with us, man. Because we feel, we feel like this was an intimate moment right here. Like I feel that you know the pieces that were shared were pieces that we can really sit back and uh, reflect on, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this 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 was definitely a great show, man. And I want to thank you for coming through. But I I, w- I want you to tell the people where they can find you at. Tell the people because you have a book. Because we didn't even get into the book. We didn't even get into. I know, the book. man. I know, but we just kept the storytelling because you know, man. That's a part of the. That's a part of what we do too. And I think you know a lot of times, like I said, we don't. We kind of curb that, but uh, we'll get it right. Like, bro, you know, I'm here for you, man. Whenever you need me to come back, we, we get it done. Definitely, definitely. We're going to have you back um, on the but show. But in terms bro. of, if, you, if y'all looking for me, it's written in pain, all one word. If you Google search me, I'm going to come up. I'm the only written in pain around. Uh, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My book is on uh it's on Amazon. It's only av- it's available for free download. It's not even like you don't even got to purchase it. It's a free download. And um, it's called Conversations with Myself. It came out in 2014. It's basically a collection of everything I had written in that three year span. Hmm. So um, that's that's what it is. That book is a, is a phenomenal book. Go on Amazon, get that. And it's a free download. Like I would, I would urge the people to go out and buy the hard copy, you know. But you know what I'm saying. But get that free download, man. You know, get that free download. Go on Amazon.com and, and cop that, man. And uh, show the brother some love, man. Like I want to thank you again, my brother, for coming thank through you, man, man. and showing the love to this to this audience, man, this platform. And I really appreciate you coming through. And uh, like I said, we're definitely gonna have you back, and we're gonna showcase some of your spoken word skills. You know, all right, brother. Definitely, man. So, thank you so much for coming through, man. And uh, God bless you, man. And you have a great one, brother. You too, brother. Thank you, man. Much love, always. Yes, it has come to the end of the show now. It has come to the end of the show, and like always. I want to urge the audience, if you have spoken word and you want to get your spoken word out there and you're looking for a platform, hit me up at spoken soul sessions at gmail.com. Send me your press kit. Send me your links where I can go look at some of your work and uh, I can review it. And um, definitely we can have you on the show. So uh, definitely have any questions, any comments. You can leave all your comments at spoken soul sessions at gmail.com until next time always speak your soul